welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 20th of May 2012, entitled, For What Are You Known? And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 1, verse 8, and Romans chapter 16, verse 17 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, if you'd like to open your Bibles, the book of Romans this evening. First and the last, if you'd like to... First, turn to the last chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 16. And when you find that, we're going to be reading Romans chapter 16, beginning verse 17. Hold your finger there and turn back to chapter 1. We'll be reading verse 8. All right, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word. First of all, beginning in Romans chapter 1 and verse 8 which says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. If you look over into chapter 16, reading verses 17 through 20, it says, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. By good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Verse 19 says, For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Father, we thank you again today that we have this time that we can share together. Lord, that we have your word before us, that we have your spirit living within us, We pray now that over these next moments as we look into your word that you would please speak to our hearts, each and every one of us. Give that which is most needed. You know the needs, Lord, whether it be for salvation, whether it be for coming back to you, whether it be, Lord, for a Christian to be encouraged, built up, challenged. Lord, we pray that you would do the work that you desire to do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You will notice, of course, that we will just make mention and then look back that in the context of the closing of the book of Romans here, of course, most of you know, of course, this being my favorite, if there's got to be a favorite, Romans is it. I love all of God's Word, don't get me wrong. But there is no book that contains more of the foundational doctrines than the book of Romans And, of course, we find that Paul ends this here with, in in one sense, with a sense of warning that there are going to be those which are going to cause divisions, which are going to bring offenses that are contrary to the doctrine which they've learned. He's He's just given them a whole book of some of the greatest depths of doctrine that you'll find in God's Word. But he says there's going to be some people that are going to come along 
and they're going to try to bring divisions and they're going to try to turn away from these and they're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're serving themselves. They're going to be deceiving people because of the way. And you know, today we live in a day of such tremendous intellect and people can be so persuasive in the things and the points that they're wanting to get across. But I would say to you that keep in mind in all of this, doctrines are simply the teachings, the truths of God's word. That's what our lives, that's what our faith, that's what it all must be founded upon and grounded upon. Simple truth is there are many that will try to deceive, some ignorantly, some intentionally. But you see, we don't have to be deceived. We don't have to be one of those that have been carried away. And that's what I think that when we keep in context that if, if we are going to be safe in the days that you and I live, if we're going to stand upon the doctrines that have been handed down to us by God's word, most of all through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the many faithful that have gone before us, many of them sacrificing everything in this life that you and I could have those truths today. You see, we could look back through history and I could begin to call a, a lot of names. And the simple truth is the title of our thought this evening, For What Are You Known? For what are you known? You see, what are people going to remember about you and I when we've gone off the scene? You know, people are remembered for all kinds of reasons. I mean, if I mention to you the name Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, what do you immediately think of? What is he known for? Being a great fighter. If I, if I mention the name to you, Mario Andretti, what do you think of? You think of a fast race car. That's what he was famous for, for being a, race, a great race car driver. If I call out a name like Adolf Hitler, what do you think of? What comes to mind? Holocaust. Millions of people's lives taken. That's what he's remembered for. He probably did some good things in his life. But he did some of the most horrid things that have ever done on the face of this earth. And that's what he's remembered for. If I called out a name like Margaret Thatcher, what do you think of? The Iron Lady usually is the thing. that You know, somebody that had grit, somebody that had her beliefs and, and she stood upon them. Whether you agreed with her or not, she was known for the kind of lady that she was. Simple truth is we're all known. I've shared some things with some of you before, and some things are better forgotten sometimes, you know. <laughs> sometimes people can be known for different things. How, how many remembers what I shared with you sometime back, what I was known for when I was in high school? Anybody remember? They gave me a very special name. And, and, and in high school, I was known as Looney Larry. Looney as in lunatic Larry. <laughs> and that was all for one thing. You know what? Because me and those bad machines became one. 
And I was known for being an absolute lunatic when I got into those, those fast cars. We just some kind meted together, and me and that car did things that aren't supposed to be possible. But I was known for that. Matter of fact, it was part of the initiation. If you came to our school, if you were going to survive, first thing you had to do was go in a, for a ride with Looney Larry to see if you could survive that. Well, you know, I earned that reputation, but I sure hope that's not what I'm remembered for when I leave this world. <laughs> for those crazy Mustangs and the things that I did in them that, you know, really was lunacy. And, I, and I, I have absolutely no problem telling to you there is only one reason that I've lived to be a gray-headed man, and that's by the very, very, very massive grace of God. <laughs> because it wasn't because of me and me trying to do it and me deserving it, that's for sure. Most of us have been known for different things at different times, for things that have been achieved, reputations are built. I like this one that I read again. I guess that uh, most of us know of the Salvation Army, and we know of William Booth that began that. And regardless of where they are and what they are now, the, the thing is is that uh, there aren't many people in Christian circles that haven't heard of them and known of them. Well, during the early days of the Salvation Army, William Booth and his associates, they were attacked pretty bitterly. They were attacked by government leaders. They were attacked by religious leaders, and almost everybody thought they were stark raving mad for what they were doing, to be quite honest. One day his son, Bramwell, brought him a newspaper article which showed this scathing attack that was in there against what they were trying to do. And here's the quote that is reported that he spoke to his son. William Booth said to his son, said, Bramwell, 50 years hence, it will matter very little indeed how these people treated us. It will matter a great deal how we dealt with the work of God. You know, the simple truth is, is that some of the things that we're known for in life are not always good. Everybody's not going to always agree with whatever it is that we're taking our stand upon, including the Word of God. But I want to ask you very seriously. You see, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1 says, Dead flies, lovely sight, aren't they? Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. What a beautiful picture, isn't it? <laughs> you got the ointment there, and you got the dead flies landing in it, and then those dead flies rotted. Boy, you just get this horrible stink. You know, they've just destroyed it all. It says, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Just as it only takes a little fly flying into that ointment and destroying it all. It just takes one foolish act in our lives to destroy everything that we might have built up. You see, recognize this. Everybody has some kind of reputation. Every Christian has some kind of a reputation. Every church which is a collection of those Christians together, has some kind of a reputation. 
every one of us and every church is known for something, good or bad, it's known for something. Now, as a child of God, which we got through singing there a while ago, as a Christian and as a church, a body of those believers that have come together, we ought to have the right kind of reputation. A reputation that, listen, those flies, it doesn't take much, but in all of our lives, in all of our actions, in all of our words, a reputation that honors God. A reputation, I wonder how many people, if mine or your names were called out today, how many people would think of something related to Christ? Our Christian faith, our Christian walk, because that is what stands out in our lives. I'm asking you simply this evening, I want you to give us some serious thought for what are you known? And for what is our church known? What do people think of? What do Something comes into people's minds every time that something new is introduced, whether it's a person or a church or a place. Your mind begins to think something, begins to draw some kind of a picture there. Well, in our text today, it reveals to us that these Christians at Rome, the church at Rome, they had a reputation. Interestingly, as Paul writes this letter that has been divided into 16 chapters in our Bible, in that very first chapter, he, he lets us in on one of the things they were known for. And then right at the end, he lets us something else that that church was known for. What were they known for? When people heard about the church at Rome, when they heard about one of these Christians that came from that church, what came to mind to people that heard about them? May I say to you first very simply that these Christians, this church at Rome, they were known for being a people of faith. They were known. Look what it says. This is a pretty awesome statement to make about anybody or any church. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Listen, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for all of you. What? That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, the whole cosmos. Everybody knows if they hear about the church at Rome, if you're a Roman Christian, your faith is what comes to people's mind. They know you for your faith. It's spoken of all over the world. And I begin to try to comprehend that thought. How many churches in the world today that if their name were called and that people began to think and speak about them, that that would be what they were known for? A people of faith. You see, I don't think the genuineness of their salvation was in question if they were known for their faith all over the world, <laughs> a real faith, a genuine faith that people were speaking about and talking about so often, 
So often it saddens me that when people are talking about, you know, it's, it's not an uncommon thing to hear questions like, well, I wonder how many of the people in that church are really saved? It's not an un uncommon thing for men of even a little bit of insight, men that are respected to stand in the pulpit and make statements like, if you take all of our churches, they're probably filled with more lost people than saved people. A lot of people have a dose of religion, but they're not known for their faith, for the genuineness of that faith. But this church was, as a matter of fact, this church was, was known so much for their faith. Look back in Acts chapter 18 and verse 2. You know, you got to realize now, keep this in mind. We get this all messed up sometimes. We think that what we're known for has got to be something that's exciting and good and, and really lifts us up in people's eyes and whatnot. In Acts chapter 18, and in verse 2, the Bible says, well, let's, let's start in verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aguila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Notice what's in brackets in your, in, in your Bible neck. Because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and come unto them. Listen, somewhere around A.D. 50, different commentators, different experts, some say it was like A.D. 49, some say it was up to A.D. 55, somewhere around A.D. 50, we find that Emperor Claudius, he expelled every Jew from Rome because of their faith, <laughs> because of their faith, because of the influence that they were having. And in some of the historical books, this actually literally spells out that because this Christus, another term for Christ, <laughs> that was bringing such an uproar to the city. So here's a church. What are they known for? They're known for such a genuine faith that the simple truth is even the government runs them out of town because their faith is causing them too much problems. We find that you look back in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, one of the great patriarchs, we've looked at him. May I, may I just throw something in here? Hit the pause button. If you weren't here last Sunday morning, and you weren't here this Sunday morning, I don't ask this often, but would you do me a favor? Would you go and would you listen to those sermons online? Because it's going to deal. You see, as a pastor, it's hard sometimes because I want to give all of you, every one of you that, that, are, that are the sheep of this congregation, something that will be helpful for you, that will be good for you. And if there's one thing that people struggle with today, it's finances. We've been looking at the church, and God has a plan. And when I saw this man Abraham's name here, it just reminded me. We've got a mission conference coming up next week. 
We live in tough economical time. Listen, God doesn't do anything for you. The reason that a lot of our struggles are there is because we're following our plan or the accountant's plan or the world's plan and not God's plan. God has a plan for the finances of his church and his people. So you go and you listen to those. I won't charge anything extra. Now you can hit the forward button again. Abraham. Abraham. You see, that's where the tithe started. People think it was law. No, as soon as God called the people out, <laughs> Abraham. What was Abraham known for? He was known for his faith. Genesis 15, 6 says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Some people think faith only come into being in the New Testament. Folks, Faith is what's always saved people. Faith. We find that Abraham was before Moses and the law and everything else, and yet the Bible says he was justified by faith. The first time that word believed is found in Scripture is right there in that verse in Genesis 15, 6. And he believed in the Lord. And when he did, God counted it to him for righteousness. First time it's used in your Bible. If you've ever studied Bible interpretation, one of the rules is that what they call the law of first mention. The first time a word is mentioned in the Bible, what it means there will determine its meaning for most of the other places that it's used in the Bible. In other words, God doesn't just use a word and then use it somewhere else to mean something totally opposite. <laughs> That's the first time that the word is used. And it's used concerning Abraham's faith. He believed God, and that's what was counted to him for righteousness. The first time faith is found in the Bible is in the Song of Moses that you have recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 20. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. Listen, for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. Isn't that something? The first time that the word faith is used in our Bible is when God is bringing it against the nation of Israel for not having any faith. And you know what's even more mind-boggling about that? That was after God had delivered them from Egypt. That's after he had brought them across the Red Sea. After God had done all of that to bring them out of captivity, here they are, a people that have no faith. How can that be? We can say the same thing today. We look at, honestly, if we gave God credit for everything that he's done in our lives, how can we be a people with no faith? We don't have time this evening. I could take time, but you probably wouldn't want me to. Or if you start following faith through the Bible... I noted a few in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. That's where the centurion was commended by Jesus as a man of great faith. In Matthew chapter 15, the woman of Canaan, she was commended by Jesus as a woman of great faith. Even though, man, boy, she, made it, she had no illusion of deserving anything from God. She knew she didn't deserve anything 
You know, she's talking about, you know, well, I know, I know the master's feeding the table up here, but she just wants the crumbs that fall to the dogs underneath the table. That's all she wants. But she believes with God, that's all she needs. Hebrews 11, boy, he gives us a list of all those. What are they known for? All the things they did in their life, they're known for their faith. That's what made a difference. It wasn't that they accomplished all these great things for God and then they became people of faith. It's because of their faith that they're remembered for the great things that they did. Faith is what made the difference. I'll tell you what, people sometimes think, preacher, you get too mean sometimes. Well, if I just got a fraction as mean as Jesus did when he spoke it straight, <laughs> you'd probably run me out of here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not, not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Matthew eight twenty six, And he saith unto them, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Matthew 14, 31, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Peter, why did you doubt me? Matthew 16, 8, Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? <laughs> why are you trying to figure this out? I'm here. See, time and time again, Jesus chided them because of their, of their lack of faith. This was his disciples. This was his apostles. This was those walking closest to him. And yet time and again, Jesus had to reprove them. Because of their lack of faith, I'm afraid that all too often today, folks, listen, I'm not talking about a bunch of hyped up junk. I'm not talking about something getting your emotions in a wad to where you don't even know what you're doing yourself. I'm talking about believing God. I'm talking about believing him. Believing what he says, standing on those promises. I'm saying when people see your life, can they see and they can, can they know you as a person of great faith? They know that you trust God. They know that you believe God. They can see that in your life. How many people we go around calling ourselves Christians, and I'm saying by our life, whether it's what we're saying or what we're doing, how many of us like this church at Rome? The people would talk about your faith all around the world because that's what they see. That's what stands out. What are we known for? The church at Rome, they had, they had such a strong faith. That's what others thought of when they saw them, when they heard of them. They believed God. They believed he meant what he said. Can I say to you, folks, today, 
By God's wonderful grace, we have the very Word of God, the very Word of God that has been preserved for us right down through the ages. You can know what God says. How much of our life is spent truly? That's why I said, go back and listen to the last two Sunday mornings at least. How much time have you spent in God's Word trying to ask Him how your finances should work? <laughs> Truth is, He's got the answer to our life of how we can live it. It's there. I wonder, for what are you known? First of all, well, I, I, I wish there was some way, folks. I hope God does a great work in my life before I take that last breath. You know, when I leave here, I can't think of anything that I'd rather be known for than to have been a person of great faith. Boy, he believed God. He trusted God. If God said it, that's all that mattered. Would people know us while we're alive and after we're gone as a people of great faith? And I can say to you, as your pastor, if God tarries and we're all gone, I would hope, I would hope that if Bethel Free Baptist Church could be known for anything, that at least one of those things would be that we were a people of great faith. Not a bunch of crazies on the loose doing stuff that don't even make sense, but a people that believed God and trusted God in everything. Look with me into the book of James. And there's something else that's very important to keep in mind, and I'll try to wrap this up fairly quickly for you. Book of James, chapter 2. Book of James, chapter 2. And let's begin reading in verse, uh, verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? The scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that 
By works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Whereas the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I guess that passage has <laughs> brought a lot of confusion over the years and people trying to make it a lot of things, but it seems that if we truly take it in its context, that if we are a people of faith, it's going to make a difference in our actions, in our life, in our works. If you read all of this and you look at what he's saying, he's not trying to say that works without faith is going to accomplish anything. But he's saying that he'll prove that he's got faith because of his works. The truth is, if you truly, genuinely believe God, it's going to affect the way you live. It's going to affect the things you do. So he's saying you can say you've got faith all day long, but if you've got faith in that body and there's nothing showing from it, you've got a dead faith because a live faith is going to show through. It's going to affect us. It's going to change what we are. And that's what I want you to see the Apostle Paul in writing to the church at Rome. The first thing he recognized for them in the first chapter was that they were a people of faith. But they were a people of faith that followed something else. And that's what he said in verse 19 there of chapter 16. For your, what's the next word in your Bible? Obedience is come abroad to who? Unto all men. They're known all over the world for their faith, and now their obedience, their walk, the way they walk with God is abroad to all people. You see, people know there are people of faith, but there are people of faith following a path of obedience. Don't do any good to know something if you're not going to listen to it. You see, the word obedience means compliance. It means submission. Bottom line, it's real simple. It means listening to what God says. It means doing it God's way. If we really believe what God says, then it's going to affect because we're going to submit ourselves to it. We don't really believe it. we got a problem. We back off. We're not going to let it be applied. We're not going to let it change our lives. We're going to comply with his word if we really believe it. James also said in chapter 1, verse 22, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I want to give you this as an illustration. Imagine, if you will, that you work for a company. The president of that company has found it necessary to just travel out of the country and, and ex spend an expended time abroad, totally away from, from the business. So he comes to you and he says to you, those that he trusts most in the firm, and he says, look, I'm going to leave while I'm gone. I want you to pay close attention to the business that we've got going here. 
I want you to manage things for me while I'm away. Now, I'll write to you regularly. I'll stay in touch. And when I do, I'm going to give you the instructions that you need. And you just need to follow the instructions that I send to you and put them into action until I return from my trip. Everybody agrees. Good idea. So he leaves and he stays gone for a couple of years. And during that time, he, he writes often. He communicates his desires and his concerns and what he wants. And finally, he returns. He walks up to the front door of the company and immediately, doesn't take him long to discover that, man, everything is in a mess. I mean, he sees from the outside before he even gets in, the flower beds have just been taken over by weeds. <laughs> the windows are broken and paint's peeling off the outside. He goes in and the first person he sees at the front desk, they're just snoozing at the desk there. He hears loud music roaring from a few of the offices and a couple of people horse playing in the back room, chasing each other around. Boy, when you look at the profit and loss sheet, <laughs> they've been suffering some great, great losses. So what does he do? He calls everybody together. He says, what happened? Did you not get the letters that I sent to you? I, I communicated to you clearly what you needed to do, how you needed to, to go about this business, how you needed to, to maintain this business. Oh, yeah. We, we did get your letters while we even put them all together and bound them in leather and made this beautiful book that they were all kept in. And, and then some, some sections of those letters were so beautiful, we even memorized them. We could quote them without even reading them. And then, we had studies specifically when we would set aside just to study those letters. You know, there were some, some really great letters there that you sent us. But I think the president will be forced to ask, but what did you do about my instructions? Why didn't you do what I asked you to do? Why didn't you put it into practice? You, you had it, and you knew it, and you memorized it, you bound it all up, you gave it this special place, but why didn't you do it? Why didn't you carry it out? And about all we could say is, but we read all of them, and we kept them all, but we just didn't act on it. You see, the truth is, I've said it in a lot of ways in these recent weeks, and I'm somehow, you know, I honestly believe that every day that I live, every week that God allows me to come back into this pulpit again, that it doesn't get lighter, it gets heavier and heavier. The work the Lord has left us to do. He's entrusted it to us. He's given us this phenomenal opportunity and responsibility at the same time. It's his work, but he's entrusted it to us, and he is coming back one day when we stand before him. 
We say, yes, I know that's what you left me here for, Lord, but I didn't have much time left for that. <laughs> and I had all these other things that I had to do. I'm not sure that that's going to carry a lot of weight. God speaking through Samuel told Saul this in 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You see, if we're not careful, we rationalize so many things away that we've got so many excuses and we're sacrificing so much and yet we're doing this and boy, we're doing it so much better than everybody else out there and everything else, folks. He just wants us to obey him, to hearken, to listen to what he's told us. You see, I know if we're going to truly obey God's word, there's some things that change that's pretty tough in most of us, if we're honest. It's pretty tough to die to self because you've got to live with him every day. But if we're going to be obedient to God, if we're going to be known as a people of faith that follows a path of obedience, we don't just believe it. We believe it to the point that we walk it, that we listen to it, that we live our lives by it. That's what the church at Rome was known for, a people that believed it, but that a people that were obedient to it. They did what it said. That means a little dying to self. And you know what? It probably means that we might have to refocus because we've usually got some pretty good plans made. We got our life all planned out. Well, this is what we need now, and this is what we need next month, and this is what next year, and this is where we're heading to, and that's where we're going. And listen, to be obedient to God might mess your plans up a little bit because God may have other plans for you. Folks, I'm just saying, we don't know when we're leaving this world. Right now, and, I, I'm, you know, we've got to be careful. I'm, I'm not asking for a prideful answer. I'm just saying, you know, right now, what would come to people's mind? Any, any of you ever had one of those uh, what we call back home ornery neighbors? I mean, you know, they were going to be unhappy no matter what you did. They were going to complain. They were going to gripe. And you do everything you can to be nice, and it just doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. They're going to be nasty. Anybody ever work with somebody or go to school with somebody? Didn't matter how nice you tried to be. They always had that growl on their face. Nothing, nothing, nothing ever made them happy. Always complaining about something. This is wrong and that's wrong. You see, I'm not going to start calling names, but the truth is in all of our lives, there's people that when their names are called, what comes to mind is not good. That's what they're known for. Real simple this evening. What, what are you known for? What would people think? I know that there's not a one of us that somebody hears our name and they think, Jesus Christ. 
because he has that much of a place in our lives, that's all they see. But shouldn't people at least know us as a people of faith that believes God? A people of faith that's following a path of obedience. Our walk is where God wants, where God directs his way. Today, probably as more so than any time in history, our churches are filled with people that know the verses, know the words, know all about the Bible, but are doing very little with it. They know the words but it's not affecting their lifestyles in any way, shape, or form. Do we want to have a reputation? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm being honest with you. It, it won't always take you to the top of the most popular people in town. Uh, for the Jews at Rome, it got them ran out of town. But even though they were ran out of town, they were a people of faith that were known to be following a path of obedience to God's word. They believed it, and they walked it. And maybe it did get them run out of town on a rail. Maybe it wasn't. We find in other places in Acts, you know, this sect, as Christianity was known for in those days, it wasn't exactly thought highly of by the world around them. I'm not saying that we've got to worry about building our reputations with the world to be popular in their sight, but when they think of us, whether they agree with us or whether they don't, do they know us as a people of God? Do they know us as a people of faith that are walking like we do believe it, that are living like we believe it? What are we known for? My challenge today is, boy, wouldn't it be great if even in some small way, when your name and my name was called, when the name of our church was called, people thought, wow, you know, those people down there, they really believe God. <laughs> They're really a people of faith. They, they, they actually believe what's in that book. And you know what? They live by it too. They obey it. They do what it says. I think, I, I, I'm Brother Romani, that would excite me more than being on stage with the queen at her jubilee in a little over a week's time. That would excite me more than standing beside, and she is, I think, supposed to be the best-known face in all the world or something. That would excite me far more than being known with the greatest of celebrities in this world, just to be known as somebody that really believed God and lived like it. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, Lord, I, to me, when I read this, I, it excited me when I think about, wow, you know. I mean, this church had its problems like every other church. They were just people. They weren't perfect people. But in all of their weaknesses and failings and everything else, well, they were known as a people of faith. Their faith was spoken of all over the world. And it went abroad to all men that these were people that were obedient to you, to your word. Oh, that we might be known for those same things today. We're all going to be known for something. 
But it's exciting and encouraging to me that I believe in our day, Lord, you're still the same God. By your grace and by your help and by your strength, help us, Lord, to be a people that could be known by these things rather than other things the world may know about us, regardless of what position or regardless of what honor they may lay upon us. Help us, Lord, that when people call our name in the name of our church, help us to be known as a people of faith that's following a path of obedience. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.